Welcome to Porter Wright's Antitrust Law Source. Good afternoon. Uh, this is Jay Levine, your moderator of Antitrust Law Source um, and the podcasts that go along with it. Uh, I'm very pleased uh, to tell you today that we have actually a few uh, people in the room. Uh, let them identify themselves um, as well, but it, this will demonstrate the kind of interdisciplinary approach we bring to privacy matters. And what we really wanted to do is to um, kind of tell you about what has been going on in privacy and data security in the uh, past few months and uh, give our perspective on what you might likely see in the next few months. Uh, coming up is uh, Christina Holt, which I think many of you have heard from already, and I'll let her uh, tell you uh, exactly what she does, but certainly she, is, uh, she handles a lot of breach responses and the like, and um, I think she's going to talk a little bit about um, the much ballyhooed, <clears throat> I won't, I won't, I won't um, say anything more than that, the EU Privacy Shield, and, um, and possibly also some of the, uh, you know, some of her recent experiences in responding to uh, breaches and, um, you know, Wendy's is probably a good example of, you know, it's a Pandora's box. But Christina, tell us, you know, sort of what you do and, you know, launch into your stuff. Absolutely. Happy to do so, Jay. Um, um, as Jay said, my name is Christina Hood. I'm in the corporate department at Porter Wright. I deal with um, privacy data breach uh, issues, both from a HIPAA perspective in the healthcare setting and also in an international setting, particularly when it comes to Europe. So with that uh, backdrop, um, let me uh, let me dive into some of the recent developments that you probably all have heard about already in some way or another that relate to EU-US data transfers. That seems to be one of the hot topics ever since the EU invalidated the safe harbor um, framework in last November and took away one of the, the key three transfer methods, the other two being the standard contractual clauses that allow for, for safe um, or for adequately protected data transfers between the EU and the US, and the third uh, method being uh, binding corporate um, uh, uh, rules between uh, one um, set of uh, corporate entities to exchange uh, information on a global scale. So uh, what comes after Safe Harbor? Hopefully the privacy shield will come. This is the, the new proposed framework. It um, unfortunately will face an uphill battle. It is still not officially uh, approved by the EU Commission and after in April the uh, Article 29 uh, Working Party which is um, consists of data protection agency representatives of all of the EU member states uh, found that it had significant concerns about the adequacy of the proposed framework and um, some of the the issues raised um, 
are both with regard to commercial aspects and shockingly, I'm sure for everybody, with regard to the broad access by public authorities to data transferred, which is all essentially a, a Snowden backlash still that we are trying to come to terms with and that has really hampered the data flow for um, corporations in particular. So the um, working party commented on an overall lack of clarity in, in the privacy shield. So there will be some going back to the drawing board for sure, even though the opinion is not binding, but it's certainly something that the commission will take very seriously given that um, the European Court of Justice came through on the safe harbor invalidation. So people are essentially expecting that without changes, the privacy shield will suffer the same fate. Some other um, concerns raised pertain to purpose limitation and data retention principles. They were um, either found unclear or lacking altogether. The terminology and the scope is of the privacy shield is not uh, consistent with uh, the, the current EC directive, nor does it really take into account the um, GDPR that was just um, enacted in May of this year. There are concerns, significant concerns about onward transfers so that the, the U.S. cannot be used essentially as the fig leaf to ensure a transfer into third countries such as India and, and China. That's a, a huge concern. The, the massive and discriminate scale of data collection as the working party so nicely phrased it will have to be uh, be reviewed, and that, that is, in my opinion, the, the key driver in, in all of this. And without addressing this, the privacy shield will be dead on arrival, unfortunately. In addition, finally, there's an um, individual redress uh, mechanism, um, but again, the working party found this to be too complicated and too complex for individuals to maneuver. This uh, then leads us. Um, at the, the current moment with uh, standard contractual clauses and um, binding corporate rules as the only methods of um, data transfers and uh, to make matters even more complicated um, under uh, the, the Irish Data Protection Agency has just announced that it will refer the Facebook case to the European Court of Justice to obtain an opinion on the um, legality of the, the um, standard contractual clauses. So there's more to come. There's a good chance that those will go away as well, which then leaves us with nothing really but consent and a few other derogations. So it will be interesting times for, for company that have to, companies that have to operate on a global scale and exchange data on a, a broad, everyday basis. How are they doing it now? Right now, most people use a kind of a hodgepodge of uh, transfers because one of the things, and I can jump to that, the <laughs> German... Um, one of the German uh, data protection authorities has just fined three companies for uh, 
failure to replace the safe harbor mechanisms. Mm -hmm. So you have to come up with something else. Safe harbor is gone and you you got to find other solutions. Standard contractual clause is still valid. That's really the, the only way to go. BCRs, if it works for intercorporate exchanges. Consent, if it works. Consent is a big issue with when employees are involved. Right where it's virtually impossible to obtain uh, sufficient consent on the EU standards. So companies are struggling. They're, they're absolutely struggling trying to, to get their, their data to where it needs to be. And uh, even the contractual clauses that they negotiate? Are under scrutiny. Yeah. Right now they're still working. Right now you can still use them, but I would not hold my breath that this will be the case for much longer. But they may not stand up to the scrutiny. I, I can't see how they will, to be completely honest, because the, the same issues that uh, invalidated safe harbor apply to the standard contractual clauses as well. Okay, and have any of the EU ministers you know, discussed? I mean, I assume they're not trying to strangle the businesses from being able to conduct what they do um. it it is it's a difficult situation I, I'm I'm sure that there will be a solution along the lines of the the privacy shield I cannot see how else business would be conducted right. there may be there may be a truly just commercial solution that uh, really somebody like trustee or something similar comes up with a a product that certifies hmm. the exchange as adequate, but uh, right now it, it's a tricky situation there for sure. And well, what this leads into is really a huge push for data localization. So there, a lot of companies have started to just keep European data in Europe put servers into the European Union and just keep all the information there, which has been addressed as less maybe efficient than... Not so much that. I think there have been concerns raised that the, this may be a protective measure right. to keep, keep business, direct business flows a certain way and give the, the European, the companies located in the, the European countries some competitive advantages. The Europeans see it as leveling the playing fields for everybody, but uh, that is certainly not something I'm going to get into. Right, right, into right. right. That all here. depends on who's ox is being gored at the right, moment. But, right. uh, okay. Okay. You want me to quickly address the um, general data protection sure, regulation? Please. That That is the, the key uh, new regulation piece that will replace the, um, the EU directive um, it will apply directly with some implementation uh, that there are some clauses in there that I think 54 altogether that allow for, for national implementation. So it will be an interesting and busy time on, for all the EU member states over the next two years. It needs to be implemented by um, and um, takes full effect by May 2018. So look forward to that. The, the key issues there, 72-hour breach notification, if you think 30 days are short, wow. get, get ready for 72 hours, um, up to fines of up to 4% annual global turnover, which can be... 
That's pretty steep. Well, yep. what's, what's interesting, too, is the FTC recently cautioned the FCC against a 10-day notification period, yeah. saying that's that we think that might be too short. We suggest 30 to 90 days. Right. So 72 hours is... And is the fine for the failure to notify in a timely manner? A failure to comply across the board. It's not It's not a notification, but failure to, to comply with... But with the but security those, standards. Right, with the, the data protection... Wow, we are so behind the times. I think it's all FTC enforcement envy, to be completely. <laughs> wow, that is. A... The Europeans have desperately been trying to to catch up, and this has been one way of doing it. Now, a word of caution: this is on paper. Right. Two things: I do not believe that anybody can run through a breach analysis and run the full exercise within 72 hours, even if working 72 hours straight. I don't believe that is possible. I also do not believe that the the regulators expect a full breach analysis and the same level of notification. I think the um, there is a lot of of leeway, there is a lot of just communication requirements, not so much the, the formalistic, here is our breach notification. Right. So I think as long as you communicate openly with your regulators, you will be in a relatively good spot. And I doubt that the 4% annual turnover fine will ever be reached unless you just absolutely refuse to cooperate. Right. That just has to be egregious. something absolutely horrendously agreed to right. us to get there. Well, that's, I mean, it's a lot. The FTC has an $11,000 penalty a day, but, you know, in a lot of cases, they never reached that. Right. Um, um, but and, of course, right. it does. And one of the examples of how this is likely going to go is that enforcement that I just mentioned, where the fines were in the range of eight to 11,000 euro for large, like Unilever, large companies, Adobe. Right. And with a uh, maximum potential of going up to 300,000. So this puts it into perspective right. somewhat. But, but it's there and, and it, it's, it's available for use. So right. be caution, yeah. And just to remind people, uh, Christina is not just a German national, but she is a German um, barred lawyer. Um, and let me ask you this. Is it entirely possible that one of the um, EU states um, decides to make after it's implemented, decides to make a, an example out of a company and go after them for some enormous amount just um, to scare everyone I'm, else? I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious to see. I can I can see certainly the French going that direction, the, the Spanish authorities. I would absolutely expect um, the German authorities to... Uh, to state some sort of an example, certainly put their, their foot down. But but the thing is, um, relatively speaking, there is very little actual enforcement. It is really just where people get caught up and where it gets extremely time-consuming is in the, the communication piece. Right. You have to engage with the, the authorities. And thus far, I have not really seen anybody willing to, to take any fines to court and really object. Typically, the the ultimate outcome is similar to our consent degrees, right. where you just eventually give in and and don't challenge the the authorities in court. Right. Well, they also haven't been so large as to either try to 
try to get away with it. Plus, I guess if you do that, the authorities have a long memory and right. you're going to stay on their radar screen. Oh, yes, very, right. very much so. And keep in mind that Germany alone, Germany has regional uh, data protection authorities. They do not, they have not, do not have a national. Really? They do have one, but the, the national one deals with uh, different issues. The enforcement comes uh, from the, the regional authorities, and there are 16 of those. So in addition to the 28 member states, you have 16 nice. regional German authorities. That's like having every state have their own... Have their Very own. much but so. I guess they do. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, wow. And that, okay. that's why that... that um, sounded remarkably familiar on, on a lot of levels. That's right. why the, the GDPR took so long to implement because each state said, no, 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 we want to have a li less strict standard. No, we want right. to have a much stricter standard. So it is tough to negotiate all the individual N approaches to, to this. Now, I, I haven't seen it. There's, there are a lot of private litigation over these issues no, very, very little. It's right. complaints to the, to the authorities right. that then we'll start an investigation. Okay, well, uh, I assume that will come too. I, I would be surprised. It's just not the, the way the, the European court system is structured. Right. Un unless you have you have somebody like um, Schrems who started the, the Facebook litigation. Right. But that, that was one, the exception, and it's also not one that, that enters the damages discussion. It's really, it's a, it's a much broader scope right. in terms of changing policy and changing actual laws right well at least in the UK where they've now um, provide made it more easy uh, to have class action litigation and the like there's always that incentive mm -hmm. um, of course we'll see how they deal with the issues that we've had to deal with um, over here but uh, um, but interesting it, it, EU is a much uh, much different animal than very the, much so very much so. Uh -huh. okay um, so if I'm getting this, the right sense from everyone, there's not going to be a U.S. federal um, notification statute. The EU is going to fail. Okay, every state's going to come up with their own definition of what's personally identifiable information and what's covered. Do I get that right? Well, that's a yeah, you've gotten that right. Yeah. Yeah, that nods all the way around. Okay. Um, so I hope you've enjoyed this cheerful discussion of what, uh, of what uh, is going on in the privacy and data security world. It is ever-changing, and it is, um, you know, you sort of obviously need uh, to stay on top of things. Um, but uh, who's going to enact the legislation? Who's going to have the enforcement? And it also looks like every U.S. agency wants some hand in enforcing the people they govern. So um, that will also be uh, very interesting as to whether they ultimately come up with different definitions of what is reasonable data security procedures. I gather they could rationalize that because it depends on the industry they govern. You know, what may be, what may be work for healthcare may be something different than works for banking and something that work different for retail. But I guess we're going to uh, we're we're going to see. Um, but I hope you've enjoyed. This is Jay Levine, um, the moderator of Antitrust Law Source. Uh, you can reach me at jlevine at porterite.com or at j a y l l e v i n e um, at Twitter um, or obviously on LinkedIn. And 
Uh, Christina, how do we get a hold of you? You can email me at uh, chultsch at porterwrite.com. I'm also on Twitter at um, chultsch underscore esq, and that should be it. Uh, thank you guys for, uh, for participating. Thank you all for listening, and have a great day. Take care. Porter Wright Morrison Arthur LLP offers this content for informational purposes only as a service for our clients and friends. This content is not intended as legal advice for any purpose and you should not consider it as such. All rights reserved.